Welcome to King of Glory Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this week's encouraging message. For more information, please visit kingofglorycc.com. Several years ago, um, we were doing some baptisms here, and uh, I think we were baptizing about eight inmates that morning, and maybe some other people I can't remember. And um, these two little girls, some of you know who they are, like like Sayla, those of you who remember Sayla, and um, and another little girl, and and um, they were they pulled up some chairs over there. And they were standing on the chairs and holding on to the backs of the chairs. And they were jumping up and down while we were baptizing everybody. And here's what they were chanting over and over again. Um, You're going down old, but you're coming up new. So I could stop right there and we'd be done with the baptism teaching. Because that's what happens. Amen? That's what it's all about. But I know you'd probably like a little bit more meat on your plate than that, so I'll, uh, I'll give you a little bit more. So, this is not like a, a teaching, like, you know, because Rick is a teacher, okay? Rick, he, he'll go through like um, Genesis, and they'll just crank on it for, you know, like a whole year, you know? They go through it, that's teaching. This is not a teaching. This is a quick message that includes some things about baptism. If I don't say the things that you had in mind that I should have said, sorry, I just don't have much time up here this morning, okay? So, um, I really want to focus on what's in Romans chapter 6, but before I do that, I'm going to actually talk about Romans chapter 7. Because it's kind of one of those chicken and egg things. They kind of refer to each other. It's like, well, which one do you talk about first then? So I've decided I, I want to do seven first. And um, it, it makes direct reference to some things that are in six. And then six is pointing a lot back to seven. And so this is Romans 7, the first six verses. And it's uh, the Apostle Paul is giving us an analogy of marriage. And how marriage works, and uh, if y'all want to go ahead and, and take us to the, f- the first slide of that, and uh, just follow along with me back there. And uh, <clears throat> now, dear brothers and sisters, you who are familiar with the law, don't you know that the law applies only while a person is living? For example, when a woman marries, the law binds her to her husband as long as he's alive, but... If he dies, the laws of marriage no longer apply to her. So, while her husband is alive, she would be committing adultery if she married another man. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law and does not commit adultery when she remarries. Verse 4. So, my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. I mean, you don't get that too much in Scripture where it just comes around and says, hey, this is the point, by the way. This is the point. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. Now, that phrase, died with Christ, is really significant. When did you die with Christ? When, when does that happen for a believer? And we might think, well, I guess maybe it's when I got saved. But when we look at Romans 6, we'll see that phrase used over and over and over again, specifically saying, you died with Christ when you got baptized. Okay? So, 
if, if you are doubtful about that, just hang in there with me a little bit, okay? We'll get there and maybe you'll, you'll be convinced. All right. So you died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. And according to what I'm seeing here, you died with Christ when you got baptized. So does this say that the law has power? Yes. There is a yes. You win the, the coupon. Okay. Yes, the law has power. And because it has power, that means things happen with it, right? If, if nothing happens, then there's no power. So the law has power. It affects us, doesn't it? It causes us to have something going on with us that wouldn't have been happening if it wasn't for the law. But you died to it when you died with Christ, and as you'll see, that happened when you got baptized. Now, you are united with the one who was raised from the dead. That word united, you're also going to see that a few times when we get over to Romans 6. United and joined with. And so this, remember, 7 comes right after 6, <laughs> right? So, you know, there, there were no chapter and verses in the original text of this. Um, that got added later. So this, this is a continuation of the same thought that was in 6. It's not like a whole different topic. So you are united with the one. How did you get united with him? You'd think, well, I guess I got about as united as you can get when I got saved, right? But this is talking about something really specific, and we'll, we'll figure that out when we get there. But just keep in mind, you know, Dan's, Dan's going to tell me this is about baptism, so get ready for that. All right? As a result, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. And so that's a good thing. And so there's something that happens in baptism that frees you. It's a form of deliverance. And now, because of whatever it is that's happening, suddenly now you can begin to live a life that produces good things instead of bad things. And, of course, we have the converse of that in the next verse, uh, verse 5. When we were controlled by our old nature... Well, when was that? Well, according to the context of this, that was before you got baptized. Sinful desires were at work within us, and the law aroused these desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds resulting in death. So we, we had an old nature, and something happened to it, and it happened to it in baptism. And so now that's why we have this new nature that we received. And so those evil desires are no longer controlling us. Now we know that baptism is not like some magic fix-all, you know, where you get baptized, you come out, and you're just this perfect person, and nothing even tempts you, and oh, you're just so wonderful all the time, and you never have a bad thought or anything. I wish it worked that way, but that's not how it works, right? And so, 
Do we still have unclean thoughts after we get baptized? Well, of course. Well, unclean thoughts, that was enough to get Lucifer kicked out of heaven, wasn't it? And we can do all kinds of things that God would never do after we get baptized. But what we need to know is this is about power. The key word is power in baptism. That old sin nature loses its power so that you have the power to live a new life. Okay? And, and, but that means you still have to fight. Amen? You're just getting started. And uh, you know that, that after you get baptized, you could go along and, and keep living the same life you lived before as if you had not been baptized. And uh, so we're going we're gonna to see what Paul had to say about that when we get over to 6 because we don't want that to happen, do we? All right. Verse 6. But now we've been released from the law, for we died to it. When did that happen? In baptism, as you will see. And we're no longer captive to its power. That, that word captive, I think, is pretty key. That there's, there's a deliverance that happens. Something had to let go of you so that you could live this new life. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living by the Spirit. All right, so when we get to Romans 6, we're going to see phrases like united or joined with Christ in his death through baptism. And of course, you know, we're going to see the word baptism itself. And... Um, I know many of you have heard this before. Um, there are, this is not in your Bible, but there are experts who know things. And according to these experts who are, you know, historians and people who have really studied, and they know about things that happened 2,000 years ago, that um, people use that word, what, the root word of what we get the word baptism from, to describe the process not only this, but including this, um, of dyeing some cloth. So you take some brand new cloth, it has its old natural color, and maybe you've got some purple dye. So you stick the cloth in the purple dye, the cloth goes into the dye, the dye goes into the cloth. Now you pull the cloth out, and now the dye's in the cloth, it's a whole different deal, right? It looks completely different. It's a whole different thing. And what a beautiful picture of what happens to us when we get baptized. Amen? I'm not 2,000 years old, so I, you know, I can't uh, vouch for that story. <laughs> but uh, people who know things say that that's, that's how that word was used back then. But even if it wasn't, it's still a great picture of of what happens when we get baptized. All right. So this analogy of marriage. To get out of the marriage, somebody had to die. Well, we all start off married to the law. Our husband is Mr. Law. 
And you see that with little children because that's, we all start off as little children. And the Bible says that we come forth from the womb speaking lies. You don't have to teach little kids how to sin. Those of you who have little children, I'm sure you've asked yourself this question or ask, ask your spouse this question. Did you teach her to do that? Where did she get that from? I didn't teach her that. It must have been you. No, you don't. Nobody has to teach them these things. Little Susie, did you just now break that lamp that I just now saw you break with my own eyes right in front of me? No, Mom. It was the dog. Don't have to teach. That's how we start off. And do little kids have a conscience? Oh, yes. They know they did wrong. That's how the law works. And when we know, you know, don't eat any cookies, it's almost supper time. That's the law. What, what do kids want to do as soon as you lay the law down? Yeah, get me some cookies, right? I suppose, suppose you, you had a, a doctor's appointment, and the doctor looks at you with a very serious face, and he says, I'm so sorry, but you can never eat chocolate again. What's the first thing that you want when you get out of the doctor's office? Chocolate! Get me some chocolate! Man, maybe you liked chocolate before, but now suddenly it has become top priority. Adam and Eve. Don't eat a thing off that one tree over there. Man, they were on that thing like white on rice. That became top priority suddenly. I'm going to miss out on something. If it's off limits, I've got to have it. And so the law stirs up what was already there. Suppose I had a glass of water up here and, you know, it looks like a nice clean glass of water and, you know, it's, it's clear glass so you can see the water. Who would like to take a sip of this water? And, you know, somebody might say, well, I'm kind of thirsty. That looks pretty good to me. But then before you take a drink, I pull out a spoon and stir it up. And then you discover that mud had settled at the bottom of the glass and now it's brown. You still want to drink that? No, I don't think I want that, right? And so the law is like the spoon and it stirs up and exposes what was there the whole time. Amen? But now that it's served its purpose, when we get saved, the law has shown us, man, I've got to have Jesus. Just like that, that young lady out in the parking lot last night. She had to have Jesus. Can, can I be saved? The law had stirred up so much in her life. And it, you know, it, it feeds on itself. I mean, the more you sin, the more you sin. The more you sin, the more you sin. And the harder you try not to sin, the more you're going to sin. That's the way it's set up. That's because God doesn't want us to get away with trying to live a righteous life without him. Amen? He knows that's never going to get us where we need to go. And so it just gets worse and worse when we're trying to somehow clean up our act without God. And, you know, you see that in the, the second part of Romans 7 where 
Paul himself is trying so hard to be Mr. Wonderful, and he's complaining that he just can't seem to be Mr. Perfect. So he calls himself a wretch, right? What a wretched man I am. Who will, who will rescue me from this body of death? All right. Now let's, let's dive into Romans 6. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ in baptism, we joined him in his death? Do you, you, you understand what we just read in Romans 7? It's the same terminology. Joining him in his death. In verse 3, it uses the word joined two times. And the, and the word baptism is there, right? We didn't just join him in his death when we got saved. This is specifically saying something happened when you got baptized. Have you ever forgotten something? Man, you should see my office. I've got post-it notes everywhere. Every time there's something I'm supposed to do, man, if I don't write it down, poof, just forget it. So we all forget stuff. And Paul is, he's kind of giving them a hard time. Apparently there's something going on in the church in Rome, and um, he's, he's letting them have it. He said, you guys are acting like you totally forgot what even happened to you when you got baptized. Well, it's kind of hard to forget something that you hadn't heard before, right? So, obviously, he had taught them everything they needed to know about what was supposed to happen when you got baptized, but now they're acting like this never even happened. And maybe you know some Christians that, man, they're, you know, they're blood-bought, born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, and they've been baptized and everything, and they're still out there living like the devil anyway. I'd say they forgot. But we can be reminded, and so now we have the benefit of Paul right here reminding the church in Rome what happened to them when they got baptized so we can all be reminded of what happened to us when we got baptized. We died and were buried with Christ by baptism. You see, to get out of that marriage to Mr. Law, somebody's got to die. And, you know, Mr. Law's not going to die because he's the Word of God. Amen? The Word of God stands forever. It's not going anywhere. Well, that might mean that we have to die. But, you know, if so, then, you know, we'd have a lot of dead people coming out of the tank over there every month. But fortunately, we don't die either because Christ died in our place. Amen? And so we're, we're being joined with him in his death when we get baptized. Is that, is that, is the light bulb starting to come on? Is that starting to make sense now? Oh, I knew that he was, he died and rose on the third day and I, I called upon his name and I've been saved. But he's saying, if you will get in the water in baptism, my death is now going to release you from your marriage to Mr. Law so that you can enjoy your new marriage with Mr. Grace. And so you can live a new life. You will have power 
over sin. Sin's not going anywhere, is it? It's all, it's, the Bible says it's crouched at the door, right? It's ready to pounce on us at any moment, but it doesn't have to be the boss of us anymore. Amen? So even when we slip into an old habit, because people have habits, we can just say, well, nice try, but you don't control me anymore because I have power over you now. Maybe I slip today, but maybe I won't tomorrow. All right. So we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, we may now also live new lives. So you get power to live a new life when you get baptized. I know that the Bible says, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And when you got saved, the Holy Spirit came to live, at you right, live in you right then, right? You didn't get shortchanged. You didn't get half of the Holy Spirit. You got the whole Holy Spirit. He is the greater one. And yes, he started living in you at the very moment that you put your trust in the Lord, called upon his name. And that's, that's a lot of power, amen? And yet there's still more that happens when you get baptized so that you can live this new life. It's a form of deliverance. All right. Verse 5. Since we have been united with him in his death. This, by the way, is extremely redundant. I don't know if you notice. It's going to say this over and over. Those of you who have little children... And your kid says, Mom, 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 Mom. And after about 10 minutes of that, Mom, it starts to sink into your consciousness. My child is trying to tell me something. Well, God's doing the same thing for us right now. So when you hear... United with him in his death, joined, united, joined, united, set free, joined, united in his death through baptism over and over and over. I think he's trying to tell us something. So we've been united with him in his death. We will also be raised to life as he was. When? Well, when we get baptized, right? Is that not what this is talking about? Amen? Baptism, baptism, baptism. Everything that we're talking about that's in these scriptures is all about baptism. We will be raised to life as he was. So there's resurrection power. There's something that happens when you get baptized. Because Jesus wants you to have that power that you can live a new life. You see, Jesus not only wants us to get saved, he wants the whole world saved. Amen? And if we have no testimony, if people just look at our life and go, why would I want to be like you? You're just like everybody else. There's nothing different about you. And so Jesus is like, I'm going to do something about that. I'm going to set up this deal. This is why I have such a hard time getting people baptized, you know, from the prison. I mean, it's, it's like pulling teeth, jump through all this red tape and jump through all these hoops. And, and, uh, and, then, and then people back out on me because they get afraid. 
The devil absolutely does not want people to get baptized. I mean, the devil's like, Jesus, that's cheating. You can't do that. You're setting them free from all the bondage I put them in. So that now they're going to see that you actually made a difference in their life, Jesus. You've got to stop doing that, Jesus. I'm going to try to stop you. It's a powerful, powerful thing. Verse 6, we know that our old sinful selves, or some of your Bibles will say the old man, were crucified with Christ. Now, maybe you've heard other teachings about baptism where they use phrases like you're separated from your sin nature or the sin nature is cut away from you. Yeah, you get that all right, but... What happens to your sin nature after it gets cut away? What's the word here? Crucified. Man, that's a strong word that Paul chose to put there. He could have said, well, your sin nature is going to get a broken arm or your sin nature is going to get a black eye. He said, no, he's getting crucified, man. Your old man is getting crucified when you get baptized. Why? Why? so that sin might lose its power in our lives. So there's that word power again. That's really the key word for the whole thing here. We need to know that that sin is losing its power. It's no longer the boss of us because of what happened in baptism. We were delivered from that power, but sin is still there. And it still wants to entice us back in. And we're all very weak and we all have bad habits and things that that we could still continue in. And so we still have to fight. But at least we know that we can win. He's given us the power to win. Amen? And so it goes on in verse 6. It says, we are no longer slaves to sin. You know, Jesus said, whoever sins is a slave to sin. Slavery brings about, you know, strong imagery. You know, in the book of Amos, the prophet Amos was prophesying about the nation of Israel. And he says, man, you guys have messed up so bad that you're going to be led away from this place into captivity with hooks in your noses. Man, can you imagine? Go down to Walmart, sporting goods section, buy yourself a pack of fish hooks, pop that thing open and jerk that thing right into your nose. Woo! Oh, man, makes your eyes water. Just think about that. Can you imagine doing that? Man, there's so many nerve endings in the tip of your nose, right? But, man, if you did that and somebody could just tie a little thread to that hook, now they can lead you around anywhere they want you to go, and you will not resist. Whoever sins is a slave to sin. But this says when you get baptized, you are no longer a slave to sin. All the hooks come out. Amen? But you know you can get yourself some new hooks, can't you? So how do we stay hook-free? It's not on your screen, but 1 John 1, 9, right? If you confess your sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. If you get some hooks, he'll take them back out. Amen? So we need to be quick repenters, don't we? We need to be very close to God and be very quick to realize 
when we have finally gone off into the weeds <laughs> and, uh, and so he can clean us up and make everything right for us again. Verse 7, for when we died with Christ, when did that happen? When we got baptized, we were set free from the power of sin. So there's that, I told you this was redundant. There's that word power again, sin having power and us getting set free from that power. Verse 8, and since we died with Christ when, when we got baptized, we know we will also live with him. That's really very significant. You know, in, in the ministry that I do, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll see one person, you know, they'll come up to the front and get saved, and, and then maybe the next month that same person will be up there again. And then next thing, you know, like every time you give an altar call, that, that person is there. I'm thinking, something going on here. <laughs> that shouldn't be happening, right? I want them to have confidence that they know that they're his. And I realize that you know, the formula for that can be baptism. This promise right here says we know, not we hope or we think. We know, we have absolute confidence that we will live with him, that we're his. We're going to be with him forever. Amen? And so, I really encourage people like that to get baptized. But even then, baptism still isn't not, it's not the magic fix-all for, for, for anything, really. Because we still have a daily choice on everything. So, like, there was this one inmate years ago. Man, she sat through all my highly evangelistic, super joyful, powerful messages. And, um, and she, she, you know, she got saved. She just continued under that. And I thought, she's, you know, she's doing great. And, uh, but I thought she, she needs to get baptized. So she came and got baptized. And uh, then, I don't know, like maybe two years later, she came to our church just to visit one Sunday. And, and Jennifer was the one that brought her. And um, so we enjoyed the church service. And then we were up in the other part of the building there. And we had a little lunch after church with just her. And she just had this terrible look on her face. And I, I finally, I just said, what's wrong? And she just burst into tears. And she says, I think I'm going to go to hell. Man, I felt like slapping her, you know. Man, you got saved, you got baptized. Why do you now think you're going to go to hell? And here was the reason. Because... Back in those days, sponsors like Jennifer could, you know, just bring somebody to church and kind of almost like mentor somebody. So she ended up under the wing of somebody who was taking her to the Seventh-day Adventist church where everything is about what you do only. Straighten up or you're going to go to hell. Straighten up or you're going to go to hell. Straighten up or you're going to go to hell. And she was hearing that week after week. And she realized, man, I could never straighten up enough. I guess I'm going to go to hell. So, did she have to go to that? No. Did she have to put up with that? No. 
Does she have to listen to that and believe that? No, but she did. So that was her choice, wasn't it? Of course, it took me about 30 seconds to get her turned back around, and she was okay. So we have choices, don't we? After we get baptized, we have choices. We can go back to sin. We can go back to unbelief. We can go into, you know, bad teaching and bad preaching and believe all kinds of garbage. It's up to us. What do you want to surround yourself with? What do you want to feed yourself with? What do you want to be doing? What are your activities going to be? You have a choice every day. Are you living your life like someone who knows what you got when you got baptized? Or are you living your life like somebody who forgot what you got when you got baptized? Or maybe some of you need to get baptized because you've not been baptized. Or maybe, you know, Sam always says this too, and, and you know, if, if you got baptized when you didn't even believe, then that's called getting wet. If you were, you know, maybe you were eight years old and somebody said, okay, we're all going to go get baptized now, but you weren't even a believer then, then I think you need to get baptized. Amen? All right. Get close to the end. Verse 9. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death has no power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you should also consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. So he starts off in verse 3 saying, you guys act like you forgot. And he's saying, you know, he's not saying, okay, so you need to get baptized again. But he says, this is something you need to do. In verse 11, he says, consider. Consider means turn on your brain and do some thinking. Think, 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 think. I'm considering something now. I'm considering everything that the Bible says happened to me when I got baptized. And now I want my life to line up with that. I need to change maybe some choices, the way that I live, things that are priority, so that my life is looking like it was supposed to look, so that I don't walk around looking like somebody forgot what they got. So he didn't say, well, you didn't get it. Maybe it didn't take. Maybe you need to redo it. He just said, you need to do some thinking. Amen? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Lord, in, in, in the next few moments, and even in the next few days, let us do some thinking. Let us consider, does my life look like the life of a person who received everything they were supposed to receive in baptism? Do, do I appear to be in bondage and out of control? Am I controlled by sin? Or am I a Holy Ghost Jesus lover? Do I give control over to the Holy Spirit? Or do I give control over whatever's right in front of me? Do I live like an unsaved person, at least in certain respects? Maybe just in certain small parts of my life. Jesus, we want you to have control over our whole lives.
So, Lord, bring us back to Romans chapter 6 and let us all consider everything that we received in baptism. And, Lord, if there's anybody here that you really never were baptized, maybe you got dunked in some water one time, but that was, you didn't even know what you were doing. Then, Lord, give that person the boldness to let Pastor Sam or somebody know, uh, man, I want to I do this. I want to get power over the sin in my life. I don't want to be a slave to sin. And, Lord, we just pray your blessing on everybody here, over this whole church, over Sam and Eliza. May the Lord bless you all and keep you all and make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, lift up his countenance upon you, and give you all peace. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to King of Glory Sermon of the Week. Connect with us on Instagram at KOG underscore Asheville and on Facebook at facebook.com slash KOG Asheville.